Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you are kindergarten through fifth grader, you can go ahead and line up in the back. We'll do some treehouse with Mr. Rob, kindergarten through fifth grade. Go ahead and make your way out there. And the rest of us can grab our Bibles and we'll flip over to Matthew chapter 6. We're actually going to wrap up chapter 6 this morning. We've been walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7, those three chapters all highlight or capture Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We, we can pull just so much from these three chapters that really challenge us as believers. Amen? Hopefully you've been challenged walking through this because as, as we talked about early on, this is an upside-down kind of thinking. It's backwards from every way that we can think the world operates. So if you can think of the way that the world would tell you to handle situations, to focus on certain things, just go ahead and go the opposite direction, and you will see what Christ calls us to as his followers in this kingdom living. And so we've been talking about this series, Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom of heaven and kingdom living. So we're going to continue to do that this morning. We'll read Matthew chapter 6. Start with me in verse 25. You can read in your Bibles or on the screen. It'll be up there, hopefully. Still got my back? He does. He has my back. Thank you. This is what the word says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay. That's our text this morning. I'm going to pause and just pray for the Lord's help as we unpack these verses. Father, we come to you right now in that great name that we just sang about, that name that we lifted up in song and in worship. God, you truly are worthy to be praised. You are God Almighty, creator and sustainer of the universe. You uphold the universe. Keep it functioning as you design, Lord God. You have so much in your word for us this morning. We pray, God, that as we look to a potentially difficult topic for some of us, Lord, we just pray that you show us the core truth behind this passage, Lord God. What is it that you truly have for us as we look at anxiousness in a world that really is constantly in anxiousness and worry and, and fretting, Lord God? 
you offer in your word a way around this, Lord God, a way to, to work through it and to come through the other side in peace and in joy and in complete satisfaction in you, Christ. So help us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So as we walk through uh, the, the message this morning, as usual, if you have questions, you can text them to that number. If you can't read it because it is rather small, it is in your bulletin. And if you don't have a bulletin, here's the number, 760-303-1353. Text that number, and we'll come back up here at the end and work through those as best we can. All right, how many of you here were here um, last week? Show of hands, just not, this is not like to like, take attendance. We already did that. Um, I just want to know because this week's passage actually kind of just dovetails off of where we were last week. And so last week we really worked hard to uncover the truth about our hearts, right? Um, particularly as it pertains to motive. Like why do we do the things that we do? What is it that we value most in life? Remember the key verse was, where your treasure is, there what? There your heart will be also. So like, what do you value most? Is it the things of this world? Is it the Lord? Where those things are, where your focus is in terms of your heart, that's where your heart truly will, will be. And so we really uh, unpacked that last week. So this week, we're going to take that exact same concept and examine another area of the Christian walk. And that's simply this. Now this is my take. This is not like... A, a verse from the Bible, but this is me taking last week and trying to be um, applicable in what we're saying, and that is this. Where your focus is, there your mind will be also. So if last week we were where your, heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is where your focus is, there your mind will be also. That's, that's kind of what we want to think about. That's the title of the message. That's the, the, really the kind of the point of what we're talking about this morning. We all know the mind is a very powerful thing, right? It's where that ongoing narrative happens and we just have this constant dialogue going on in our minds. It goes wherever our focus happens to be, right? And if it's not focusing on anything, what does our mind do? It just kind of wanders, right? It just goes wherever, yeah, wherever it wants to go. The mind is something that we really need to understand more clearly, especially when it comes to things like anxiousness. So how many of us can very easily relate to the idea of focusing on a thought which leads to a very unsettled anxiousness? Like you can't stop thinking about this one thing and it just wells up and this anxiousness is unsettled. Worry happens. Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody very easily relate to that? Okay, just making sure that we all can. We've all walked through those kinds of things. So if you caught through those verses, the word anxiousness came up quite a few times in those verses. Anybody count how many there were? Six times. Six times in this short passage, Jesus uses the word anxious. So what exactly does Jesus mean when he says anxious? So the essence of the word here is worry. To be anxious for something, an unhealthy preoccupation. So that's what we're talking about in this setting, in this context. And every one of us, as we just kind of alluded to, has walked in that kind of anxiousness. Absolutely. Worrying about everything from how we're going to pay to the bills to how am I going to keep up with this two-year-old that's just got way more energy than I do. There's just this constant worry, right? This anxiousness about many, many things. So this particular setting, Jesus is talking about the, 
the essentials, the necessities of life. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? But the concept that we're talking about really applies across all of the areas of our lives, as do the ways that we see Jesus gives us to walk through this in victory, to avoid such anxiousness. So even though he's talking about the very elementary things of, of existence, what we're going to talk about is really going to apply across the board when it comes to being anxious. So this comes down to being kingdom-minded. If we're thinking about what we're talking about here, it's, it's our focus and a kingdom mind. It's shifting away from the, the way that the world thinks, like we mentioned earlier, to the way a follower of Jesus thinks. Very, very different, and we know that. But we have some tremendous benefits that I think we kind of dismiss sometimes. Being among God's people, not the least of which is, is this right here. There's a tremendous benefit from this. I mean, we've, as a society, have departed so far away from the way that God intended us to be that. If it weren't for this, we'd be even further off the mark than we are. There's a lot of value in this. So we don't want to miss what Jesus has for us in this text this morning. We want to go to the Word of God and really draw out of it. So let's do that this morning. So again, where your focus is. So where is your focus today when it comes to our approach to the kingdom principle of godly priorities? Godly priorities, what are we focusing on? That's the whole point of the section, really. And we see it in verse 33. I'm not going to get ahead of myself here, but really I just want to kind of tell us where we're going. It comes down to verse 33 that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So our focus has to be on the Lord. Right? The moment that we fall away from Jesus is the moment anxiousness enters the situation it makes me think of the story of Peter. You remember, the uh, disciples were in the boat. It was late at night, and Jesus comes walking on the water. Everybody freaks out, and, G and Peter wants to, to go out of the boat, step out onto the water, and, and Jesus says, yeah, come, come on. You guys remember this story? He gets out, begins actually to walk on the water, right? He's walking towards Jesus, and I can just imagine Peter. He's like, man, I'm doing it. This is awesome, Right? And then what happens? The waves and the wind and all the little circumstances around him start to freak off and he freak out. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and looks at what's going on around and he begins to sink, right? And he starts to freak out, panicking, save me, help me, right? That's exactly a picture. Now we're talking about faith in Jesus in that particular case, but the, the, the illustration is perfect. Like all the things, the distractions, that list of items that causes you to be anxious and worry are the wind and the waves in this exact example. Our focus is on Christ, and we are able to overcome the circumstances in that situation. So that's a really good reminder, a good perfect picture. So when you're in those situations and you're like, okay, Jesus, I know that I can do this in you. I'm not doing anything. Peter did nothing to step out of the boat except to have faith, and Jesus meets him where he is. But here's the deal. You cannot split your vision between Jesus and the world. No matter how much you think you can, you can't have one eye on the world and one eye on Christ. It just doesn't work that way. You will give in to one or the other. Now, Jesus uses a couple of illustrations here in his message um, from his very own creation to help us to see where his focus is. Right? He says three examples, each of addressed the fact that Jesus cares more for us than anything in his creation. Why? 
Why does he do that? He basically says, if he takes care of all of those lesser things of creation, why would he not take care of us? So let's look at a couple of helpful examples that we can draw on out of this passage to help us in the principle of kingdom living. The first helpful reminder first is verse 25. Verse 25, let me just read it again real quick so we can all be on the same page. The back half of verse 25, so is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So this life, is so much more than surviving and working to put food on the table. But how often we get caught up in life that we lose sight of what it is that we're actually supposed to be doing. It becomes all-consuming. I think we can relate to that in some way. And we lose sight of the things that matter the most. We begin to drift away from the things of God. And that's a very scary thing. But tied up in Jesus' examples of the birds of the air and the lilies and the grass is the reminder that we are more valuable to God than maybe some of us know. Look at the end of verse 26. Are you not of more value than they? Have you forgotten who you are in Christ? Perhaps. Perhaps you have. If you're a Christian here this morning, we need to rejoice in the fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made with purpose, on purpose, bought at the highest price. John 3.16 tells us that. We all know that, but it's up on the screen to remind us of something. For God so loved the world, he loved us and loves us, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Don't let the things of this world overtake the point of forgetting who you are in Christ. It's very easy to do, to get overwhelmed by life and forgetting who we are in Christ. We have a strong identity in the Lord. Yes? Yes, we do. That's a powerful thing. Don't lose sight of that. But let's look into the real meat of what we're supposed to be learning through this passage. We're going to look at three principles that we can utilize in our pursuit of kingdom living, particularly as it comes to this anxiousness that we've been talking about. And because alliteration is fun, we're going to do faith, father, first. Faith, father, first. Those are the things that are going to help us work through these particular verses. And if for no other reason, here's a great reason why we should be digging into this a little bit deeper. Being anxious is not a good thing, right? It's not a good thing. Even verse 20 tells, tells us, verse 27 rather, tells us, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? You can't. In fact, it's actually the opposite. Being anxious will rob you of time. Even if it doesn't take away a single day, it will distract you to the point of missing out in what we're supposed to be doing in this life. So not only will it not add to you, but it will rob you of your time on this earth. So how do we shift into a different position? One that allows us to walk in peace and trust. Well, our first touch point for us is faith. We see in verse 30 where Jesus is questioning the kind of faith that we might have. So think about this very carefully. When we are anxious, as we just described it, 
we demonstrate a lack of faith. When we're anxious, worried about where things are going to come from or, or how we're going to get along in this life, it demonstrates a lack of faith. That's point blank what we see here. We must have faith in the promises of God because He tells us He will provide for us. Yes? In the Scriptures, God promises that He will provide for us. Do you know the promises? Do you know personally the promises of God that says He will provide for you? Because if you don't, then what, what are you standing on? What are you believing in to see and believe and have faith that God will provide? Well, here's a few. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I love that verse because it goes beyond even what we're talking about. All sufficiency in all things at all times. Like he covers every base. Like you cannot find a little chink in the armor in that thing. That's like, that's it. But let's look at a few things that we're, we need to note. We're promised sufficiency in all things. But we don't and we cannot confuse our definition of sufficiency with God's or the world's definition of sufficiency, right? Sometimes we'll think that we need more or we desire to have more, but we need to sync up our understanding of God's sufficiency with our own because we'll be left wanting or we'll think that God is holding back something from us if we start comparing even like, well, what about that person? They have all this, or you said this, or that. You, you, you get what I'm saying. You know, comparison is the thief of joy. Like, we can't walk in that. We need to understand more clearly that God meets every need. And with sufficiency, we can walk in faith through this. But what's the purpose that he says? Can you put that back up, Phil? He gives us all of these things. Why? that you may abound in every good work. So it's not just because he's a nice guy, and like, hey, have, have some stuff, guys. I got your back. It's for a purpose. He provides sufficiency in all things so that we can go and do what he's actually called us to do. There's a reason behind it. Our true focus needs to be on him. And so he gives us generously all the things that we need to survive so that our focus is not on providing those things for ourselves. Reminds me of my own children, um, both in college now, and, and so my wife and I have worked to kind of provide the basics of, and maybe a little bit extra now and then, but the basics uh, of existence so that their focus can be on their primary goal of finishing college. Like, I don't want them to have to, you know, work 30 hours a week and on top of, 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 of a four-year college education. Now, for some people, you know, that's what you have to do, and that's, that's fine. But the idea is, let me provide a foundation here of these basic essentials so that your focus then can be over here to be doing what you are called to do in this season. I see that the same way as with God. It's like, don't get caught up in all those other things. Let me provide all that you need so that your focus will be on the kingdom of God 
and doing all of those things that I've called you to do. So God meets every need. And if you need one more scripture, I'll give it to you. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now this is important too. According to his riches, not out of his riches. There's a big difference. If I have a million dollars and I give you ten bucks, that's giving out of my riches. But if I have a million dollars and I give according to my riches, that number is going to be a whole lot higher, right? So we have to realize that God gives according to his riches. That's a beautiful thing. But we have to have faith in the promises of God. We truly have to believe that what God promised to us in his provision is for you. Okay, so that's faith. We'll springboard off of that into the Father. So faith, Father. Particularly is that our understanding of God the Father must include knowing that he cares for his children. Does God care for you as your chi- as his child? Yeah, absolutely. And we see this at the end of verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. After he just listed all these things, like your heavenly Father knows that. He actually knows what we need before we ask. A lot of this, probably you know. But it's good to be reminded of who God truly is. Not only that, he's the perfect example for us. If we're looking for the example to follow, he's it. Listen to Matthew 7.11. Matthew 7.11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. That's pretty clear, I feel like, right? We all want the best for our kids. If you don't have kids, then you understand the concept at least. We want what's best for our kids. Thank you. But God the Father exceeds that by knowing exactly what we need and giving it joyfully. So here's one more scripture on the Father, Romans 8.32. He, talking about the Father, who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also give him graciously us all things? So this course is the ultimate example for us in his commitment to his children. I mean, it's undeniably clear that the Father cares for us, his children. But we have to live in light of that truth. We have to live in light of our understanding that God provides for us as his children. And it has to have an impact on our day-to-day existence, especially with what Jesus is saying in this particular passage. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. The Father meets every need. We have to have faith. We have to understand the character of who God is and that he loves his children and provides in every way, will never leave, never forsake, meet every need. And then first, first. So it's not enough just to know these things or have an academic understanding, right? It would be nice if like, oh, I just, I know that that's true, so it's going to happen. There's an action step to set all of this in motion. And it's right there in verse 33. 
If there's a key verse in this passage, it would be verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So everything that we just talked about, all those necessities of life, they'll all be added to you, provided, given. But what is our responsibility? Seek first, first, first. We must put God's will and his kingdom first in our lives. I said it a lot um, when we were going through a couple of other shorter letters um, maybe a year ago, but God is at the top, not near the top. There's a big difference between God being at the top of our priority list or near the top. And if we're honest with ourselves, that probably floats around a little bit of, of where God is near the top or at the top, depending on where we are in life, what we're going through, how our spiritual disciplines are going on the daily. But I want to point us to the reminder that God is preeminent. That means He's the, the very, very, very tip of the top. We set aside all other things as number one. Now, we can have plenty of activities and other things going on in our lives, and we do, all of us, probably too many things. And that's okay as long as our primary focus is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That balance of priorities is key in all of this primary focus. And here's why. We, we read this scripture as our opening scripture, but I'm going to read a little bit beyond it. Here's why, at least one huge reason, why our focus needs to be there. Look at Colossians 1, starting in verse 15, one more time. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross, by the blood of his cross. So we see all of these things kind of working together. This description of who God is is incredible. Not the least of which is that last part, reconciling himself, all things to himself, by the blood of the cross. That's huge. That's why we're even able to have this conversation in the first place. That's a big deal. He is worthy of our primary focus, is he not? He is worthy of our primary focus, and he calls us to seek him first. There's a whole lot of other reasons why we should seek him first, but that's a good place to start. He's worthy of us seeking him first. Because if he wasn't, or if we didn't think he was, then we wouldn't. Sit on that for a minute when we think about that balancing act of where God is in our priority list. 
So here's a verse that can tie all these principles together. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we have to have the faith piece. That's very clear. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, but it's also impossible to stand on his word and his promises. We have to have faith to believe. That whoever would draw near to God, the Father, right? We must believe that he exists in order to draw near. We don't want to draw near to something that we don't believe exists. We know who the Father is, and we pursue him. We draw near to him, and he draws near to us. But not only that, as we seek him first, he rewards those who seek him. So Hebrews eleven six is a, is a great verse to keep our focus with this passage this morning. It's a big Big promise that we need to stand on. So here's what we need. We need faith in the promise, all the promises that God will provide and meet every need. We, we have to have that. We have to have an understanding of the Father, who the Father is that includes His goodness and His faithfulness to His children. Like our understanding of who God is, the Father. And a kingdom-first, Christ-centered approach to life. Those three things working together. They're imperatives. Because Jesus says, three times in this very short passage, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Like three times. Of course, you know, or if you didn't, anytime you see things in three, it's a very important thing. Like that's a way of highlighting something of significance is by repeating it three times. And so here Jesus is just, hmm, why? Because <laughs> we're slow to understand the things of God. We're hard-headed at times. We're stubborn. We're wandering. Our focus is over here. It's over there. It's all over the place. So Jesus does us a favor and three times tells us, do not be anxious. Does that sound like it's an option? Does it sound like, hey man, if you're feeling okay, you know, don't be anxious. It's all good. It doesn't sound that way to me. It sounds like, I'm telling you, don't be anxious. That's essentially what Jesus is saying here. What's at the other end of the spectrum from anxiousness? Peace. Peace, calm, right? We seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, our focus on Him. Because where your focus is, there your mind will be also. We're called to have the mind of Christ, yes? We are, absolutely. And we're going to go deep into how it happens, but I will say that it's, it's not like a little magic lamp where we rub it and just all of a sudden everything that we need comes out. Or we go home and we pray, and we have faith, and we do all the things that we just read through, and when we get home, there's going to be an Amazon order um, on your doorstep with the week's groceries. Like, right? Okay, that, that's a disconnect from uh, right? There's still a part of the puzzle that we're responsible for. Not only seeking the kingdom first, but walking in the things that God has given us to provide. Right? When our focus is on Christ and recognizing that God gives us opportunities for employment, he gives us health and gifts and talents to go to a job and earn money 
to, to buy these things. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, that's just me. I I'm, I'm just happen to be good at fixing things, and so I'm a mechanic, and I make lots of money. That's on me. I was like, okay, well, if that's your viewpoint, but you would be wrong. God gifted you with those things. He's the one that provided you with the ability to do that, with the mental ability to understand how engines work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But our focus is on Christ and the kingdom. As we're going about our life, stewarding the resources he's given us, investing in people, and recognizing that we have more than we could ever have or need in this life. And again, I would point you back to... Where would I point you back to? 2 Corinthians 9.8. We have sufficiency in all things at all times and all things so that we may abound in every good work. So you see, it's, it's a twofold thing going on here. Right? God provides, we have our focus on Him, and then we extend what we have, and we leverage it for the gospel in how we live our lives, in obedience. Now, I think I'd be missing something if I didn't address another aspect of something here. Because I'd imagine some of you are associating the topic that we're talking about this morning with anxiety in the realm of mental health. Some of you might be thinking, well, what about that kind of anxiousness? And it doesn't seem to me that this is exactly what Jesus is talking here, especially the Greek word that is used to describe anxiousness. <clears throat> but we do live in a, a world now where a lot of people, many people, are afflicted with mental health conditions. Things that are not just spiritual, but have a physical side as well. We have to be careful to approach this topic with sensitivity, but also to desire the truth. Things like anxiety orders and disorders, rather, de depression, and similar things are very real and need to be handled from, from two sides, a medical professional side and a spiritual side. Both and. You cannot be quick to jump on any diagnosis without seeking God's wisdom from our Creator who knows us better than we know ourselves. It's a holistic approach. Yes, people have severe problems and often do need medication. But even when medication is necessary, no medical doctor can prescribe what the great physician alone can provide. It's both and. We walk through this cautiously and with our focus on the Lord to be your guide. So I don't want to associate all realms of anxiousness and anxiety into saying, well, if you just do these things, then this physical, mental aspect of anxiety that you have will just go away. Or if you're not doing these things, then somehow your faith isn't enough. Because I know that some people can, can go into that category and say, if we just believe enough in the promises, then it'll go away. And there's an aspect of truth to that, of healing and those kinds of things. But if there's been some sort of physical issue, something that has been diagnosed by a professional, then to say to somebody, 
well, you just don't have enough faith. That just crushes somebody. It really does. It's, it's a very dangerous thing. So if you struggle with that, I would strongly encourage you to pursue with all that you have both avenues that God has given us. The spiritual side, because certainly there's some aspect of spiritual warfare at work, but also the physical side to see what it is exactly that's going on in you and trust that God revealed to you and to the people that are caring for you to treat it well, to get to a place where you can walk in the truth and understanding of who God is. So I don't want to dismiss that and I don't want to just brush over it because it's a very significant topic that we're talking about. But to bring things back to the topic here at hand with this particular anxiety or anxiousness about just having things that we need to survive on. That anxiousness, I would put in the category of walking in disobedience because we're called right here in this passage, don't be anxious about those things. I will meet every need. So once again, in every situation, our focus must be first and foremost on Him, no matter what it is. That's our constant mission. And we walk it out every day. I mean, the kingdom of God is here. Amen? It's established, right? Jesus came, he established his kingdom, and we have much to gain by seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. First. But we are only a part of God's kingdom, his family, once we give our lives over to him. Until that point, we're on the outside looking in, right? Those promises don't apply to us if we're on the outside looking in. This is a family commitment, a family promise. And so if you're on the outside looking in, Jesus tells us there are two things that we do. We repent and we believe. We trust that what Jesus accomplished on the cross through his death is resurrection, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation back to him into the family of God that now we walk with a new identity in Christ. And we have access to the Father and we can walk in those kingdom promises. And it's actually only then that we fully understand who our Heavenly Father truly is. So I just want to encourage you this morning, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness Really evaluate your life this morning, your priorities, that preeminence of Christ. Is he at the top or is he near the top? Are you walking in anxiousness because you don't know where your next meal is going to come from? Or you're not certain that you're going to have enough saved up for when the kids go to college? Or your car is breaking down and you don't know how you're going to get the money for the repairs? Are you drowning in worry and, and anxiousness? because your focus is there, I would encourage you to redirect your focus and begin to pray and seek God for how he might meet that need and be open to however he would meet that need. Not to say, God, I would really like it if you would give me a new car. Well, maybe he's going to give you an extra job to make money to get the repairs on your car. You see what I'm saying? We need to be open to how God is going to meet that need and walk joyfully and faithfully in the promises of our Father. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, we do thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we know that you give all things in all sufficiency. God, you meet every need. You never leave us. You never forsake us, God. And I am so grateful that we have that in who you are. 
Lord God, you sustain us. You guide us. You direct us. Your Holy Spirit counsels and guides and corrects. God, would you help us to evaluate, even this morning, where our focus truly is. And each morning, we have a new opportunity to assess and adjust. Is our primary focus on the kingdom of God? Are we doing all things as unto you? Are we going to work with a joyful heart and a grateful attitude toward you? Are we caring for the children in our home with the love of Christ and the encouragement from the scriptures? Everything that we do, pointing to you, bringing you glory, bringing you honor. God, we want to seek you first. We want to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. We don't want to walk in anxiousness, but peace and joy, rooted and grounded in the faith that their promises are real, that you as our Heavenly Father know every need and desires to meet that need, and that we first and foremost pursue after you. God, we do that in community with one another. We help each other to keep our focus on you. God, help us to do that well in this community of believers. When we see people struggling or, or being distracted by the circumstances around them, by the wind and the waves, as we begin to sink into the water, God, would you help us to remind one another to reach out as the hands and feet of Christ to encourage and spur one another on in love and good deeds. God, thank you for this community of believers. Thank you for this family. Thank you for your grace that you extend to us as we miss it, as we fall short. God, your grace is sufficient. We love you. God, we honor you in every way. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name.